Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Raina and I are joined today by Stephanie Thacker of Steadfast Bookkeeping. Stephanie, I am so excited to have you on because you guys don't know this, but Steph, she saves me about 20 hours of work a month, at least, at least easily. She does the bookkeeping for both of my companies, my law firm and the contract shop. And I am just so excited that we get to talk to her here today and hear some of her wisdom behind the scenes as to why you need to be keeping your business and personal finances separate. And she's going to also be talking to us today about some of the biggest bookkeeping mistakes that you might be making. So before you hide your head in the sand, make sure that you hear stuff for at least a little bit, because I think you'll find that she's not as intimidating as most bookkeepers that you've ever met. Hey, Steph, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I hope I'm not intimidating at all. <laughs> no, you have me. I don't think you are, but so I think people easy. are intimidated by numbers. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I mean, get that. You, you provided so many good DIY resources. And that was originally what really drew me to your brand is that you're so educational and you're so helpful. And then, you know, on top of that, you, you offer done for you yeah. services. And I think that was what was so intriguing to me is like, you have something for the DIYer, but then you also have something for someone like me who's just like, numbers, ah, runs into a wall, like that kind right. of thing. So, so can you tell us a little bit about the origins of Steadfast and how you became a bookkeeper, particularly for creatives? Yeah. So when I started Steadfast back in 2011, I was working in the corporate world. I was doing accounting, had been doing it for a long time. Totally will claim myself as being a number nerd, love accounting, love crunching numbers, but was just a little bit fed up with the corporate world. So decided, you know, there's a lot of small businesses out there that really could use accounting and bookkeeping help, you know, that don't need someone in their office full time, or they're just like me and us. And probably a lot of people listening here who are working out of home offices or traveling and working and all those things. So 2011, I started it. And when I started, I kind of just started working with all different kinds of businesses. And after a couple of years, I realized the clients that I really enjoyed working with the most were more of the creative type businesses. And specifically, women who are running businesses while running their families and or maybe running multiple businesses and, you know, just doing their thing. And I think part of the reason that I really love working with creatives is just the ambition that I see and, you know, just having that go-getter attitude. I love it because that's how I am. And so I think being able to look at the world in the same manner and then being able to work with women and talk to them and say, you know, look, we're all really good at certain things. Um, most of my clients, the things that they're really good at, I'm horrible at because I'm, I don't really have that creative mind. You know, I have, I do numbers, you know, it's the whole left brain, right brain thing. Right. So to be able to look and say, there's things that I'm really good at that I really enjoy doing. And then there's things that you, someone else really enjoys doing and be able to kind of merge those two worlds is really amazing. And I just love, I love working with creatives, small businesses owned by women, things like that, really for that reason. 
What are some of the unique challenges for creative business owners that maybe other kinds of businesses don't have to deal with when they're looking at their numbers every month and their bookkeeping? I think one thing is it's just so different, right? You look at, I don't know, a lot of small businesses out there that might have really consistent income coming. It's a service or a product that's selling consistently, maybe something that's been around for a long time. And then a creative who's got this great idea, new product, new service that they're trying to, you know, get out to the world and don't have, you know, tons of money in the bank to just go and market it out to everybody or don't already have an audience of people who know how great the product or service is. So I think maybe that's one struggle. And specific to bookkeeping or accounting, I guess, would be the inconsistency. So it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, if you're in the wedding industry, let's say you have seasons, right? You have seasons of high and seasons of low. And that's really something that you have to take into consideration. And it's hard because you've really got to look at your numbers. You've got to know, okay, what's my overall over the year? How do I stretch and make it through those low season months? And so those are some things that it's not to say that other businesses that aren't creative, you know, don't deal with because certainly, you know, every small business has their ups and downs, but I think it's just more common. I would say probably every single one of our clients has seasons of high and low. You know, if it's a product-based business, a lot of times it's holiday season is really good. And then summers are dragging. They're really slow. So I think it's different. It's a little bit of, I don't know if I want to say struggle, but, you know, just an extra challenge that creative business owners have to kind of overcome that. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, especially about the seasonality. And I think that's a point of frustration for a lot of people that I've talked to. Honestly, I don't know very many entrepreneurs that don't have some kind of ebb and flow or are living in like a feast of famine cycle unless they've made yeah. that their business model. So right. first of all, you've done a fantastic job at creating recurring revenue in your business and you know passing that off and creating a team so that you're not killing yourself day in and day out. I mean, just on my bookkeeping alone, <laughs> the, the associate bookkeeper you have on staff that's working with me probably wants to pull her hair out weekly because we have so many different expenses that are coming in electronically, or I use a tool called Shoeboxed that helps me process my physical receipts that I'm getting when I travel. And so, you know, it's just a lot of like money in, money out, transfers between different accounts that I have, being a lawyer in my law firm, which is a separate business that has even more particular demands that none of you out there hopefully have. <laughs> but it's just this interesting business model that you've set up so that you are able to spend time with your daughter, with your family, and that you do have this recurring revenue and you're a service-based business at that. So, you know, what are some, you work with a lot of different clients. So like, what are some interesting things that you've seen on the back end of businesses that you can share maybe as far as like how they, they step out of this feast and famine cycle or, you know, ways that you've been able to work with them to help them organize their life if it's impossible for them to step out of the cycle. And, you know, they, they're like a wedding planner, right? And like October is book right. solid, but July is kind of quiet. You know, what are some ways right. that you guys work around that with your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, for Steadfast, we do get the opportunity to create that recurring revenue, um, but we definitely have a, a slow season. Summer is always going to be slow for us. One big reason for that is a lot of our clients, their season is their slow season is summer. And then a lot of our clients are, you know, working or moms who are, their kids are out of school for the summer and they're just not really focused that much on their 
business during the summer, so to speak. So what we do and what I kind of try to train our clients and talk to our clients about doing is I'll look at, you know, I know that we're going to have a season from really like November to March is going to be our crazy busy season. That's where we're going to take on the most clients, you know, all year. So if, but if I look at that and say, okay, well, during those months we take in, you know, X amount of revenue per month, I really can't plan my year on that. So I really have to look and say, you know, and yes, we do have recurring revenue all throughout the year. So, you know, every 12 months out of the year, we are receiving revenue, but I can't budget on those high months. So what I always recommend is take a look back at your past and look at a full year, which is an, like a really good reason for, you know, to have bookkeeping done or be doing it yourself. Just be able to look at reports and say, really, what's my average? And then kind of take that and say, okay, so my average per month is, you know, X amount. And that might mean in your low months, you never reach that average. And then in your high months, you're far exceeding that. But at least you know, okay, per month, maybe I can average this. And that way you can look at your personal finances and say, I really need or want to take home this much money per month or per week or whatever it is. And then you can look at your business and say, am I making enough on average to be able to do that each month, even when I'm not, you know, bringing in as much revenue as I know I will in a few months. So the big thing is look at that. And then during those high seasons, you know, during the months where you're really doing well, don't go and spend all of that money, even paying yourself, you know, so if in your high months, you're bringing in, I don't know, 15,000 a month. And in your low months, you're only bringing in two, three or five, you know, don't go and say, well, I just brought in 15,000. I'm going to write myself a big check, you know, $10,000. It's great. You've worked really hard for it. You deserve it, but it's better to kind of keep it in the account, set yourself an amount, you know, each month and say, I'm just going to pay myself five each month or whatever it is. So I think that's really genius. And like, in order to stabilize our sort of feast or famine, like having that standard, okay, this is, is it $2,000? Is it $500? Whatever it's $5,000, whatever that number right. is, we have to like create that consistency or for our families too. Like that's like first, yeah. <laughs> that was my biggest like grown up move in my business when I was really able to start paying myself more. But I want to move back way back to, and thinking about like, I don't know, month two, Raina, and how I had this Excel spreadsheet where I was, I didn't have a bookkeeper at that point. I do now, but I'm like thinking about that Excel spreadsheet and thinking to myself, okay, what was I like, what were the mistakes that I was probably making that nobody told me about? So could you like go back to the way beginning and like tell people, what do you recommend in terms of having bank accounts or spending money or making money? Anything that you can think of yeah. that, you, that people might be making mistakes on? Yeah. So right in the beginning, it's hard, right? Because especially if you quit a job, like for me, I don't necessarily recommend this, but I told my husband, like when I get my first client, I'm quitting my job. And I did. But the reason that we were able to do that is because I had budgeted like so hard, you know, like I showed him like, yeah, we're going to have to cut back on this and this. So I'm not going to be bringing in the income that I was until I build up. So that's really hard, right? When you're two months in and you've only sold a few products or you've only signed one or two clients, it's like, how am I ever going to get this far? What do I even do? So I'd say go into it, you know, knowing it's a process. Like you're not going to have your highest month on your first month. You're just not, or in your first six months, even, you know, it's a building process. 
But if you can start tracking and budgeting from day one, you're really going to notice, or you're really going to be able to see the progress and know what needs to be done. So if from day one, if you're leaving a job where you're making a certain amount of money, and you know, you still need to be bringing that in each month, then that's going to be your goal from day one, set that budget, set that goal. Then once you reach it, you know, then you can start paying yourself, you can start doing all those things. But I would really say, don't go into your business and make the mistake of I don't really have to do bookkeeping. I don't really have to keep track of any of this because I'm not really making money yet. Because we all know there's expenses to start a business, right? So sometimes even just seeing that and looking at, wow, this is how much I've spent so far. And then this is how much I've made. It kind of helps guide you to keep pursuing that business or take another route, you know, really what to do. So really track it from day one. And that's bookkeeping, right? It's just tracking any money that's going in or out. So even if in the beginning, if you feel like all the money's flowing out and there's not that much flowing in, track it because you're going to be able to, to see that on paper to see, okay, this is what it's taking right now to get this business going. It's really going to be huge. And I think really help guide the next steps. But Seth, those <laughs> online courses that just landed in my inbox are like, they're going to take me to the next level. And I don't have the money for them right now, but I need to get them clearly. So what do I do? And I have a credit card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a mistake right there, right? Is, okay, how do I go? There's tons of great online courses out there. I've taken many. I'm a believer in online courses. But you've really, like, that's when, like, don't make the mistake of not budgeting and sticking to it. And then don't make the mistake of feeling like if I take all these courses, if I do all these things right in the beginning, maybe it's on a credit card or maybe it's on a loan that you took out, you know, it's going to help me grow because they're promising six figure lunch. You know, if I take this online course, I'm going to have a six figure lunch. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe some of those work and maybe some don't. I don't, you know, I don't know, but you have to just be, I think, really cautious. I would really budget, even if you are starting your business on a credit card or a loan, if that's the way you really feel like you have to go, set a budget for even that. Say, you know what? I'm going to... I don't really have any money in my personal account to start this. I know it's maybe going to take something to start it up. I'll spend X amount of dollars. Then really choose wisely how to spend that money. What really are is going to be the best choice? What's the wisest way to spend that money? I would limit yourself to those, you know, online courses and just really look at it and say, this is how much I'm willing to spend. And then, and don't do everything at once, do little things at a time and take notice and see what really was my return on that investment. So if I took an online course that taught me XYZ, you know, I don't know, get your first 1000 email subscribers and it worked and you really did get a thousand email subscribers. Great. That was a good return on, you know, your investment then, okay, now what can I do to kind of sell to those 1000 email subscribers, right? So look at things like that. Like don't go and just buy like 10 online courses at once and blow all your budget because you're not really sure how those are going to turn out. So take it slow, budget, stick to the budget. I make wise choices. (laughs) No, (laughs) make good decisions. No, I I (laughs) totally agree with all of this. When I decide when I looked at my husband and was like, I am going to start this business and I'm going to take some coaching classes and get certified. He was like, wait, wait, what? 
you're going to start another business because I just quit my wedding planning business and you had, I had just quit my full-time job. So I wasn't making any money and I wanted to spend $10,000 on a certification program. You have got to, you know, be kidding me. And (laughs) I came with my little Excel spreadsheet and was like, this is what I'm going to be paying. And this is how I'm going to be paying it back. And I was able to make that. I was able to turn that $10,000 plus like website stuff, which was, I did not get the most expensive website out there. And I was able to pay it back within like six months. So I think, you know, whatever the plan is, and like, that's something that you're probably going to face with your partner too. If you have one where you have some Mm -hmm. kind of joint income situation, you have to justify some of the the expenses that we have in our businesses, even though I feel like now I'm able to make those decisions independently. Yeah. And that's good. That's a good point. That's definitely something I think you can justify, right? A certification to say, well, I want to start this business. And if I have these certifications, I'm going to be able to say I'm certified. I'm going to have the training that I really need to be able to serve my clients well, all of these things. So that's kind of like a test you can do for yourself too, right? Is, okay, let me justify this to myself even. Like what really, or maybe use your partner and see if they're like, maybe not. Or if they're like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know, then you're like, okay, maybe that's a better decision because there's going to be some expenses that you can totally justify. And they are, they're going to be the thing that helps you turn your business around and start making money. And then there's going to be things that can maybe wait until later or just aren't the best option, you know, right at that time. One of the, I mean, for me, that was, that was kind of bookkeeping for me. And when I was deciding to hire you, you know, I just, I had to look at it and be like, wow, I'm not tracking this at all. And I have the best of intentions, right? Like I've done it a million times in my head where I go to the cafe and I sit down and I treat myself to a lunch at some outdoor patio and get all my bookkeeping done while I'm, you know, sipping on a latte at that patio cafe. Mm-hmm. That never happened. <laughs> so <laughs> enter you. Right who is a monthly expense for each of my businesses. And it's been wonderful just because, you know, even though there's not an ROI there, it frees up my time to do things that do give me an ROI. So I've been able to like, you know, now with our new website, we have sales coming in every day, which that wasn't the case before. And so it's really great because working with you was what enabled me to have that kind of time to build up to that. So it might not be a direct ROI. Like if you're looking at things like bookkeeping or a trademark or um, coaching or, you know, like it it might not be something that you can directly tie, but the things that you're doing with your money should be accelerating your growth, not, you know, stop starting it, which I think online courses have a tendency to do if you're more of a course collector. And that's like a hard conversation you have to have with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's so good because I'm all about value. So sometimes the return on investment, you're exactly right. Sometimes it's not money. And that's bookkeeping is a hard one. Same as maybe hiring a virtual assistant or something like that, right? You're looking at it and you're like, well, this money per month isn't going to bring me any more sales. But think about the value in it. So what did that free up for you? It freed up hours, which is going to be with you know a lot of contractors so a social media person or maybe a coach or a virtual assistant all of those things you have to look at okay i'm spending this much time or i'm not spending any time at it at all but i know that it's going to you know give me this information or do this for my business and so you kind of have to look at the value and think like for me there's a lot of things that you know i have people assisting 
steadfast with because I could maybe do it. I'm sure I could probably do it, but I value my time very, very highly because I'm a wife and a mom and a sister and a daughter and blah, 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 fill in the blank with all the things that I am. So I value my time really, really high. And so I think, you know, if I have to spend a few hours a week away from, you know, my family and all the other things, it's just not worth it to me. So some things I don't say, okay, I'm paying this amount of money per month, which is in turn going to give me this many more clients, but sometimes it's just my time back, you know? So, and in that, if I'm not spending the, I don't know, five hours per week that it might take me for a task, I can even allocate that five hours and say, okay, that gives me a couple of hours to work on my business and a couple of hours to, you know, spend with my family. And in those couple of hours that I work on my business, it might end up getting me some clients because maybe I'm networking, maybe, you know, whatever it is I'm doing with that time. So I think that's a really good point. Another thing to consider is just, it's not always going to be direct. Like I spend $500, I get, you know, I double that and get a thousand back. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, just look at the value. Sometimes it's going to be just getting your time back or just getting something else that's valuable to your business. Yeah. I mean, this is like me hiring a housekeeper. Yeah, my exactly. what's the return? Yeah. The return is that I have peace of mind and that I don't exactly. have to scrub my own toilets. <laughs> right. You hilarious. get a few hours of your time back, right? It's yeah. 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 No, spot on. Exactly. There's so much hesitation though. I know, but you know, because I it's like loved it. I know it's it, there's just so much hesitation with investing in like this because it's like, oh, but I can do it myself and it only takes 20 minutes. But those 20 minutes add up. They do. And then I always just challenge the question of, is it being done right? (laughs) Like there are things that I was doing in the beginning. I might have only been spending 20 minutes on, but I can assure you, like I wasn't doing it the right or the best way. So in the beginning, like I made my own logo and made my own website and they were horrible. Like I'm glad they're not out there anywhere today for anybody to see because like it was laughable. So I did it and maybe it didn't take me much time, but it really took me a ton of time. But like I wasn't doing it the right way or the best way. And as soon as I hired someone to do that, then, you know, up came my all my branding. It's, you know, I think it's great. It's beautiful and it's it's, great. Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing that you didn't invest in that from the get go. It was like over time you you were able to make enough money so that you can invest in those bigger changes, right? Yeah. So that's something in the beginning that I just was like, okay, I looked at what it would cost for someone to do that for me. And that just wasn't one of the things that I wanted to spend money on in the beginning, because to me, I could get clients without having the perfect logo and the perfect website, because a lot of that was just me wanting that. And I did, I got clients with the website and the logo that I made. So that wouldn't be forever. And I think because of my branding and because the way my website and everything looks now, I think that our audience has opened up a lot more, especially to creatives because it's appealing to them. And mine probably wasn't, but it wasn't something that I had to do in the beginning. So yeah, again, that's one of those decisions that you have to make. And when you can get there and you can finally budget it in, then do it. Have you heard about Member Vault? It's a new course delivery platform for online educators that focuses on one thing, engagement. But what the heck is engagement, you might be asking me, and why does it even matter? Well, have you ever purchased an online course and, um, 
yeah, maybe forgot to finish it. Uh, my hand is raised. <laughs> this has happened to me definitely more than a few times. And guess what? I never purchased from these course creators again, like anything. And the courses that I have finished, well, let's just say I'm more than a lifelong fan. I've joined their masterminds. I've bought their coaching programs. I generally try to support them as much as I can all along the way. So if you are looking to fall into the latter camp and you want to create raving fans for your platform, make sure that you go to creativeempire.co forward slash member vault. That's creativeempire.co forward slash M-E-M-B-E-R-V-A-U-L-T to get your free 30-day trial of this software. Not only will you get 30 days free, which should be more than enough time to get up maybe even a mini course for you, you'll also receive free access to the course that's going to show you how to do this. This course is called the DIY Roadmap, and the folks over at Member Vault have set this up just for you. It's normally a $97 course that they're giving away for our listeners for free. And all you have to do to get it is go over to creativeempire.co forward slash member vault. This course is going to help you build your own online teaching platform that boosts your income and sells itself without you even having to go through a launch. So again, normally that's a $97 course that they sell on its own, but they're giving it away to you guys for free along with a 30-day trial. Creativeempire.co forward slash member vault is going to get you all those goodies. Go get them today. Hey, thank you, Elise Luddy, who said, Raina and Christina have done an amazing job of curating amazing guest speakers. It doesn't matter who they are talking to or if they are having a conversation with each other. I always learn something. I really need to start listening at home so I can take notes. Keep up the amazing work, Raina and Christina. Thank you so much, Elise. And thank you to all of you who leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. We don't ask much from you. We just ask that if you enjoy the show, you go over there and you leave us a rating, maybe even a review. It means so much to us and it really, really can help us improve and keep bringing you this great content um, and even better guests that you guys request. Makes it easier on us. So help us help you. Go leave that rating and review on iTunes. One of the things you also did was you just made it so intuitive and so easy. And it's so funny because it's like, this is simple stuff. And I've been noticing this a lot this week, where if you have a business and you just make things easy for people, they do it and they work with you. I actually, full disclosure, I'm going to see this new therapist. And I was like, beside myself upset because he had this like Word document that you had to like download and print and whatever. I'm like, this is... Or like insurance. Anytime I have to deal with insurance, I'm like, it is almost 2018 people. Just get some kind of electronic signature software so that I can fill this out in a jiffy, get it back to you. And we're both happier. And you're out $10 a month or whatever it is. And it's like, (laughs) just figure out, like audit your own systems, which you've clearly done a lot. And figure out what's like where the friction is because working with you was so seamless. I think I just shared everything with you via last pass. You handed it off. You probably did a lot of work on your end to hand it off to your associate bookkeeper that I work with. And but like for me as the consumer, I will never work with another bookkeeper because the process was so simple and so seamless that it was just like if it's this easy to work with her and she's taking all that work off my plate from the get-go, I can only imagine how much better it's going to get along that relationship. 
So, you know, where there's like, where you're having problems booking or, you know, you feel like you need this fancy system that's like code that you embed in your website to process inquiries and blah, blah, blah. If that's working and that's frictionless for the people that are trying to work with you, great, then it works. But if that's ending in like, if that's ending up with like misleads because the code isn't embedded properly or whatever, just make it simple. Like let them just email you and go on your way, but like do everything on the back end so that it seems effortless for them. I think that's something that you, so, I mean, there's kind of three things that we've talked about here in this conversation today that you do really well. The first is obviously bookkeeping, like bare minimum. (laughs) The second is delegation, which you've, you've, really mastered, I feel like. And then the third is making things so frictionless, so seamless for your clients. And again, like Raina was saying, this didn't all happen overnight. Uh, What were some of the things that you did to realize like these are processes that you could improve or like maybe even talking about some of the failures or hiccups you had along the way if you tried to maybe delegate something and it didn't work out? You know, how did you learn how to do it the correct, quote unquote, the correct way? Well, thank you so much for saying that. That's super, super nice of you. And it was a process. So if you would have come and signed up as my first client, you... I mean, I did have electronic agreements from day one. So I'll give myself that. But it, the process wasn't as great as it is now. What kind of hiccups have you had along the way? Like I just had one of my VAs... She decided to take a full-time job. And I think she was just like traveling and her life was busy. And she didn't get back to me entirely about what was happening and wasn't really transparent on the issue. And it ended up costing me a lot of money because my clients were upset. My customers were upset. There were there were things that were missed, deadlines, things like that. And so that was a real lesson to me in creating more standard operating procedures, those SOPs that we talk about sometimes, you know, so that when she kind of stepped away unexpectedly, we would have had a better system in place to to take care of what was missing. So that was like a lesson that I learned. Were there any lessons that you've learned in creating these systems or in delegating or even, you know, like in bookkeeping from the start, like any kind of failures that you you feel like you should you could talk about here? Yeah. So systems along the way, like that has been progress. And really what I realized, I guess, I don't know, maybe two years ago now, something close to that is um, once I started growing my team more and more, I realized a lot of my processes were only in my head or they were scattered. And so that was something really big that I learned. And I would recommend like, even if it's just still you and your business, start documenting everything. And I took Heather Crabtree's Streamline with Systems. And that really helped me because she has a whole guidebook. And so it was like, wow, I have all of this in my head. It was nowhere. So my first employee that I hired, like it shoot, thank God she's still with me and she's amazing because I was probably all over the place, like, you know, sending her little snippets here and there. And now I have everything. So when I onboard a new team member, when I onboard a new client, when, you know, ongoing client care or ongoing, you know, with my team members, it's all documented and I can look and see, okay, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is when we do it. But that was really a process. And then some things, you know, that are in the guidebook, you know, I really hadn't really thought of a process. So I had to kind of put something together and really think that through. So that was definitely, I would say a hiccup in the beginning. And then now that I have a process, I mean, I know that every single client is going to get 
the same onboarding process. They're going to get the same care, which is really great because, you know, as your team grows. So if it's just you right now, I was just talking to someone about this the other day, like you never know when your growth is going to come and it might come really, really quick. And so it is so much better to be prepared. If you, especially if you're product-based or even if you're service-based, there could be one thing that really sets your business off. And then all of a sudden you're getting calls like crazy or orders are coming in like crazy. Imagine, you know, like if that had happened to me and I just had everything in my head, I mean, and it was chaos for a little bit because that was kind of starting to happen. And I was just like, felt like I was kind of slowly spinning out of control because I knew I needed all this help and needed to do all these things. But it was like, uh, you know, even taking the time to tell them how to do it or whatever. So if you have everything, when that growth comes and you start expanding your team, you start taking on more clients, selling more products, whatever it is to have all of those processes in place where you can open up a document, share it, whatever, that will be huge. That's key. What you said is that it it was in your head. You really knew it, but you didn't write it down. And I know I I took the same course and Heather really stressed that, that you had to write it down. And when I first heard her say that, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. I know, I know. But it's it's so (laughs) true. Like just getting it out on paper. My fear was that I would get it out on paper and I would need to change it. And guess what? I did. (laughs) You can. You can change it. Right. And it's so much easier once it's written because you're not remembering it every single time and writing it out 10 million times. You know, you just put it in a sauna once, save it as a template, which if I'm blowing your mind right right now, it's, I promise, easier (laughs) than I'm making it sound. I'm not even fancy enough to know how to use templates in a sauna. So I'm just like copying and pasting. But that's still faster than me trying to remember every single step and leaving something out. Another book. Our brains are so unreliable too. Really? (laughs) I want to hear this because Rain is good at the psychology stuff. No, but I I mean, like (laughs) we have so many things happening every single day. And if we have to go back and remember, okay, when I create a blog post, these are the 17 steps I have to do. It's easier to be like, check, 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 done, done, done. And like follow that protocol rather than being like, okay, here's what I do first. And then this is what I do second. It's just so simple to be able to open something, follow the rules, so to speak, because we're really good rule followers most of the time. Our brains are like having to work double time if we have to create the system while we're doing the process. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is great. I think documenting your processes, bringing people on, all of that is golden stuff. What are some of the other... I mean, did we drill into the bank stuff yet? We talked about this off air a little bit. But in terms of what people are doing wrong in their money stuff, what are like, what what are you saying behind the scenes? Yeah. So some of the biggest things I'm seeing, so first off, which I think we kind of touched on would be not tracking it at all. So that's big mistake is not tracking it. Definitely do that. And then another big thing is mixing business and personal. So especially when you're starting out and you think, well, let me just test this. You know, I'll just see if I sell anything. I'll see if I can book any clients. And then you start to do one invoice, two invoice you know, however many, and it starts coming into your personal account. And then before you know it, it's out of hand. So don't mix business and personal, if at all possible, which it's totally possible not to, because I'm going to tell you, it's so easy to just go and open up another bank account. It doesn't have to even be what the bank considers a business bank account. Unless you're a corporation, you can just go to the bank 
And you, it can still be under your name and just say, I want to open up another checking account, savings, whatever it's going to be. And if you do have your business license already, or if you're, you know, a DBA or something like that, you can show them that and say, you know, I'm going to be using it for this. And then it can be your name and then your DBA underneath it. It does not necessarily have to be a bank account where, because a lot of business bank accounts, you know, you might have a monthly fee that might not be, you know, an expense that you want to take on right in the beginning. So there's no problem at all to have what the bank considers a personal bank account, but just make sure that you're using that bank account specifically for your business. So if you're starting from scratch and Let's say you didn't take out a loan, you don't have a credit card, maybe you took some money, you're taking money from your personal funds. Go ahead, write a check or make a transfer from your personal account to that new business account and start using that because for many reasons. So when you're really doing your bookkeeping, like you don't want to have a lot of mixed personal and business because even when it's just you, like you said, Raina, our brains are just not reliable sometimes. So let's say you go back in and you see five target transactions because that would be me. And so you have five target transactions and you're like, Oh, I can't find the receipts. Which one was business? Which one was personal? Cause I know that I went and bought, you know, some paper and pens and office supplies, but then I know the rest was all personal. So if you have it separate, then you know, the four that are in your personal account are your own. They have nothing to do with your business. And then one in your business. Oh yeah, that was the office supplies. And then another thing is if you do ever get audited by the IRS and let's say they start asking for bank statements, they want to see proof of things. You know, if you start showing them, like if you have to pull out your personal bank statements and they're going to see everything, they're going to start questioning those target transactions. Right. So they might, you know, okay, well, let's see you've got five target transactions this month, you know, how can you show me that this one truly was the business expense? Well, hopefully you have your receipts saved because they're going to want to see that. But if you don't like, how can you justify that to them? How can you ever prove, you know, that these were personal and this was business? It's going to be really hard when they're all jumbled together. So yeah, um, I think that's a big mistake that I see. And I think it seems a little intimidating or sometimes it seems like too official to go and get a, a bank account. That's their business, but don't make it more than it is. Just open up another bank account, specify it for business and use it as that. And then that way you can do your tracking, your bookkeeping and everything from that account. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I have two piggyback questions off of that. These are questions that I actually asked my own bookkeeper at some point in time. So what can officially be put on your business card or, you know, what is quote unquote a business expense? That's my first question. And then the second one is, do we need to save all of our receipts from Target? Yeah. (laughs) So anything that has to do with your business, as far as, you know, what can you use? Like, what can you use your business account for? Think of anything from starting out subscriptions, maybe the website, you know, hosting, maybe you hire someone to do your website. Think of anything that it really takes to run your business. You can use your business account for that. Paying contractors. Anytime that money goes out and you can say, okay, that truly was for my business. Maybe you went and met a potential client at Starbucks. Put that on your business card, you know. Now, if you're driving past Starbucks, on your way to your studio in the morning, that is not really a business expense. So that's something that I would say, put on your personal, don't put that on your business. But if you, if it truly is a business expense, if something is being done through and in your business, 
with that purchase, then you can use that account. And then your second question was... Is about like, do you need to save your receipts and how long do you oh, save yeah. them? Yeah. So your receipts, if you ever get audited, the IRS definitely is going to ask for receipts. Like if you get audited, there's going to be, there's some reason behind it. Right. And so more than likely they're going to ask to see some receipts. The great thing is that they will accept digital receipts now. So I like, am not a paper person. I use notebooks every day. I'm that type of paper person, but I can't stand like just keeping little receipts and folders and things. So for me, I'll just snap pictures of receipts and save it to Google Drive. So yes, you need to keep your receipts. If it has something to do with your business, keep your receipts. And you're supposed to keep them for seven years. So go digital if you can. Like, you know, if you get if you're making purchases online and you're getting email receipts, either make a folder in Google Drive and send it there, or make a folder even in your email that, you know, is business receipts and put them there. And then for things like target purchases where you're getting a re- you know, a physical receipt, just make it a habit to, I'm going to go get in my car, snap a picture and then upload it to, you know, Google drive or something like that. Or like Christina mentioned, she used, she uses Shoebox. So that is like, think of, you know, a lot of people will say, I still have clients that will come and say, I have all these receipts in a box. Like, what do we now? What, what do I do? That's kind of what Shoebox does for you. Like it allows you to just collect all your receipts, throw them in an envelope, send it off to them. They'll scan them in and make them digital for you. So then you have them that way. So whatever works for you, but definitely any money that's flowing out for your business, keep that receipt. The minimalists out there are going to love shoebox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we probably have like an affiliate link because that would be cool if we could throw that into the show notes for you guys and get you five bucks off or whatever. But yeah, it's, I love it. It's such a great service. They just send me this magic blue envelope, they call it. And I throw all of my receipts in there. So I save them all in my wallet. So anytime I go out to lunch or grab a coffee with a potential client or, you know, go to Target and buy stationery, which is every day. I I save that receipt and I put it in my wallet. And then about once a week, I just dump it all out, dump it in the magic envelope and mail it away. It's like pre-sealed, prepaid. I don't have to do anything. It's mindless. I just put it in the mailbox and it all shows up. They scan it digitally. And then Jessica, who who works for Stephanie, (laughs) goes through it all and adds it and connects it to my credit card and, and bank statement so that we know, okay, this $250 was spent on whatever, a target. Um, so we can connect that really easily. And yeah, I, I haven't even asked. I don't even, I'm curious, is there anything else that you can do to protect yourself against an audit? Like, should you buy audit insurance? Is there, you know, anything besides just keeping good bookkeeping records and staying organized as a business owner? Is there anything else you can do to help yourself? Um, yeah. I mean, I just feel like you never know, right? I mean, I've had clients get audited for weird things. And I think sometimes we think audit and we like picture someone from the IRS, like coming, knocking on our door and sitting in our office with us for days. Or maybe that's just me. Cause when I worked in corporate, that's, that is what it would be. But an audit could be so simple. It could be like, I was talking to someone a couple of months ago and she was audited this past tax season just because they didn't, I guess you could say they didn't believe that she was really being reimbursed for some, some of the things that she was saying she was being reimbursed for and some of the expenses because she's a nomad and they're just like, come on, show us proof of this. And so it was all done through email. The audit was done through email. So you really just never know if, but she had the receipts and could say, uh, yeah, I did do this. And then they did reimburse me and here's all of the proof. 
So if you're organized and you're keeping that, that audit could be really simple. So there might not be a way necessarily to have, you know, to get around something like that. But having everything just, it made it really easy for her to just say, oh, okay, yep, I'll send you those receipts. Super easy, very low stress. And then I would just say tracking from day one is going to really reduce the risk of being audited. I think I feel comfortable in saying because, you know, if your tax return is nice and clean and there's not a lot like in miscellaneous expenses and you really have, you know, a few line items of detailed expenses and can really show like proof, I think you have less of a chance of being audited because it's red flags. That's the thing with audits. We don't know what that red flag is going to be, but being prepared, having everything there is going to make it so much better. Totally. Yes. I would say 100% to hiring somebody to help you with this once you get to that point in your business. So go find (laughs) Stephanie or... yeah, And and like another plug for people who understand creative business, because a lot of the local people that I talked to who are bookkeepers didn't really understand what was actually an expense and what was personal. And I was like, no, this is all for my business. And like having people like you understand, like we have some weird things that come up in our businesses and we need to pay for them. Like you know, things for stock photos and st- like wiring yeah, right. for that. <laughs> Try um, explaining online courses to anybody who yeah. is not in this industry. It's yeah. Exactly. It's like, yeah. no, that's not an expense. So I just really appreciate people like you who are left brain, who can take care of people's business finances and give us the peace of mind to be able to keep running the businesses that we want. I just wanted to ask you a question about, are there any CPAs in the creative space that you trust that, I mean, you don't do that work, right? So do you partner with any or any that you'd like to plug? Yeah. So a couple that I've worked with consistently, Amy Northard, CPA, she is the accountant for creatives. I would say 80 to 90% of my clients probably use her to do their taxes. And it's so seamless. And (laughs) yeah, she is also one that gets creatives, right? And that's, it's so true because I've had so many clients come and say, wow, I just feel like, you know, you didn't throw any big words out there and you knew what Shopify was or you knew what Squarespace was and you knew like what those square transactions were because sometimes, you know, I guess you probably can relate to this, Christina, dealing with like old school attorneys. There's old school bookkeepers and accountants and CPAs out there that are like, what's this online thing? What is Shopify? What is that? You know, so yes, Amy Northard, she's amazing. She gets it and she makes, she makes your tax return pretty, which is just so amazing. Yeah. And so if you have a bookkeeper, like she'll work with them and we can just kind of interchange information, things like that. And then Driza is another one that I've been working with and it's called DAC Advisory and she's out of California. So Amy is in Indiana. Dries is in California. Both They both work with anyone from all over the US though. So that's another thing I'll just throw out there is I think sometimes, you know, like you said, Raina, like kind of talking with local people first, it's kind of like, oh, they don't get me. They don't understand this. And that's like the greatness of technology these days, right? So we don't really have to have someone right in our local area. If you have someone local, that's great. If not, you can reach out to anyone, you know, if you're in the US, reach out to anyone in the US, they can do bookkeeping or tax returns, you know, anywhere. So that's really cool too. 
Yeah, this doesn't have to do with that. I think everything you just said is true, but I wanted to just give a quick little anecdote. Earlier when I was at 90 Day Year Live in San Diego earlier this year, it was interesting because I went to the tax and bookkeeping discussion and there were about 50 of us that were in that little panel. The guy that was leading the discussion, who his name escapes me, but he he was great. But, But he asked us to stand up if we had ever been audited and about nine people out of this, you know, 40 to 50 people they stood up, nine of them did. And then he asked, please sit down if you owed the IRS money. And only one person kept standing. And he asked, how much did you owe the IRS? And the person said, actually, it was about even. So I didn't owe them like really anything but like 20 bucks or something. And so I thought that was encouraging in that if you do get audited, Mm -hmm. it's probably likely that you're not going to owe the money to the IRS, at least anecdotally. So it's not, I don't think it's something to be scared of. It's just something to accept and maybe budget some time or money for and just kind of expect that it's going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, you know, take that as, as a little bonus or a little blessing every year. So yeah, just a little (laughs) anecdote, but we wanted to wrap up and be mindful of your time stuff. Can you tell us when you're looking ahead into your creative empire, what do you see? I see us helping more and more creative businesses. So like I said, we love what we do, love getting work to work with creatives. And I really want to help as many as I can. And I think one thing that I really want to put out there is, you know, I know bookkeeping and accounting, taxes, all of that does seem intimidating. Hopefully, like I said in the beginning, hopefully you see from this conversation, it really doesn't have to be. So I kind of want to just make that known is like, you know what, we're here for you. We're on your side. So we might be different. We, you know, I might be left brain, you might be right brain, but we can still work together really well. I really want to have every creative business out there be, know their finances, be able to have everything in order and organized and just not be stressed about that anymore. Because I'd say probably be safe to say 10 times out of 10, every new client, you know, every person that calls or emails us, they're just stressed and overwhelmed by the bookkeeping and accounting and it doesn't have to be that way. And so we want we want to be the people to help with that. We want to be the people to ease that stress. Where can everybody find you? Or you know, if they're looking for DIY options, your blog is a great resource. Where can they find that blog? Yeah. So steadfastbookkeeping.com. You can find our blog there. And there are tons of DIY things there right on our homepage at steadfastbookkeeping.com. You can download our Creative Entrepreneur's Bookkeeping Guide which I talk about the who, what, when, where, and how of bookkeeping. So it answers tons of questions and it's not boring. I promise it's like pretty to look at. So whether you print it or whatever you do, it's a free download, check that out. Gives so much information. It's really pretty. And then you can find us on Instagram where we give tips to at steadfast bookkeeping co. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Steph. And everybody listening, go do your bookkeeping and build that creative empire. <laughs> Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co, where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 